All right, we're here. What does the Bible say about, about that? that. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we're back at it. Should we? Um, you think we should just do a little bit of like um? Should we just talk here? Some small intro? talk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, what's your? How's your day? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's yeah. been okay. It's been a while. Yeah. It's since we've has, done this, it's always, it always is a while. I'd we, like to do this more often. Why don't you commit more to this, Will? I got, I got a new, I got a new book. <laughs> what? <laughs> out, of, yeah, out of all things, I could have said. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. well. Small talk or? Yeah, that, that was good small talk. Yeah. I appreciated it. <laughs> you got a joke for the crowd? Yeah, I do. But I'll tell it later. Oh, tell it later. Nice. Hey, Quick how do you know that God likes coffee? He brews it. He brews. He brews. All right. That was a good start. Okay. Um, yep, that was solid. Solid. So what are we talking about this week, Will? Well, we're going to talk about God's economy, and we're going to see what the, what, we're going to see what the Bible says about God's, God's economy. economy. Exactly. Yes. Very good. Yep. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, um, well, let's maybe a, a step back. We talked a couple, well, I don't know how long back that was, but we talked um, last time about the parts of man. Mm-hmm. The man is a, you can call him a tripartite being, three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And it was hard to talk about that subject without mentioning God's economy. Um, and then... We kind of, I kind of realized we actually have to define God's economy because that's not common lingo to the average Christian. Yeah. Um, it, it's used actually pretty frequently in, in like, um, you know, seminaries and um, among theologians. Um, but, you know, your average, you know, Christian maybe hasn't heard of that term before. So mm-hmm. thought we should talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Let's talk about it. Yeah. What's God's economy? Yeah. Well... Let me read it. Read, read God's economy. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. Okay, what do you this got? Is, this is 1 Timothy 1, 3, and 4. Okay, very good. Even as I exhort you when I was going into Macedonia to remain in Ephesus in order that you might charge certain ones not to teach different things, nor, give, nor to give heed to myths and unending genealogies which produce questionings rather than God's economy, which is in faith. There it is. Yep. It's, it's, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible more than once. That's true. Yeah. It, so I think most people aren't familiar with it because of differences in translation. Yeah. Um, God's economy is not something that is um, intuitive, easily defined. And um, so, you know, people translate it in ways that maybe are a little bit more familiar to us, like... God's administration or God's plan. Yeah. Something that would kind of convey something we could grasp. But economy is, I mean, really it's a, what's called a transliteration. Wow, that's a big word. Of the original Greek. Nice. So it's, you know, it's where you take the Greek word and you just kind of put similar English words to it. And that's where we get the word economy from, actually. The Greek word is oikonomia. Yep. Um... That's so, true. I mean, it sounds like economy. That's because mm-hmm. it's transliterated. So, we have a lot of words like this, like uh, baptism is the same way. 
baptismo or I forget how it goes in the Greek, but hmm. I mean, it's like you just, you just throw it back over, I mean, into the English, find okay. the English words that Didn't match that. it. But yeah, um, so what, okay, I think one thing that's helped me on understanding just the basic definition of economy is just kind of breaking out the word a little bit. Yeah, um, that's a good idea. And understanding kind of how it was used in like maybe more uh, ancient context. Yeah. Um, so economy is made up of, or oikonomia is made up of two Greek words, which is oiko and nomia. Yeah. Um, and so the first word, oiko, mm-hmm. right, is house. Yeah. It means house. And then nomia means law. It's a house law. Um, and the way this was used is, uh, you know, if you owned a large estate or you were, you know, if you were very wealthy, you would have um, an economy, in a sense, in your household, which is you would have a, a, an arrangement in which the goods of your house, the foods and all that, you know, all the riches that, of your house are distributed. Right. Um, among the house. And actually, you know, like this is where we get the word steward from, actually. If you... If the word oikonomia is used as in a, um, I guess it's a pronoun. I think that's the proper English way of saying it. It's like if it's attributed to a person, yeah, like a race attributed to a person would be a runner. In the same way, when oikonomia is given to a person as his title, it's a steward. A steward. Okay. Yeah. So Paul will say, "I want to be accounted as a oikonomia or a oikonomos." Or there's like different ways of like. Uh, ending it, but it's the same word, which is as a steward, mm-hmm. someone who is the distributor of the goods of that house. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe that will help somewhat. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah so just moving moving forward here, see, kind of Paul, Paul, like exact the definition that you're bringing, he brings it out in Ephesians three pretty clearly, mm-hmm. and he uses this phrase that he that. The grace was given to him to announce to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. Right. And so that, that shows right there that Paul being a steward yeah. in this economy, or even, yeah, anyways, yeah, being a steward economy. in this economy, he, well, the, the goods that he's giving to us mm-hmm. is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Right, right. Yeah, like, um, I mean, you, I mean... Maybe it'll help too, just thinking like even how we use the word economy today, even though it's way more complex now because we have this, you know, economic system with currencies and, you know, interesting like services that weren't around then. Um, it still is in principle the same, which is in the U.S. economy, for instance, we have a set finite number of goods um, right. or services and our economy is kind of how those goods are, are distributed, arranged like if the economy is doing well that means we have an abundance of the goods and it's being distributed with abundance and you know it's all good but if the economy is on the low the the goods are less people are not able to enjoy the riches of america as well and they feel it they suffer so so yeah i mean in the same way paul is he's got this uh these riches these goods these divine goods yeah because it's God's economy, mm-hmm. and He's the one distributing them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like going back to the the first verse that we read, that Paul's charging Timothy, don't teach things other than this, other than God's economy, mm-hmm. right? Don't. Yeah. Anyway, just the, the verse. That's what it talks about. Right. And so, 
And so what that, the reason that this is even important is because every biblical teaching can be, uh, come under the umbrella of God's economy. Right. You know, and so that's one of the reasons we're getting into this, especially after we got into the three parts of man. Right. Is because um, everyone has a philosophy or maybe a certain lens that they're reading the Bible through. Mm -hmm. Paul's telling Timothy right, right here, when you're teaching, you need to teach according to God's economy. And so for us, when we're reading, we need to be reading according to God's economy. Right. And so that's why we're getting into all this and what it means. Yeah. Is because this is, the, this is the overarching theme of the entire Bible. Right. Really, you can find it in every single individual book of the Bible. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I mean practically that looks like... We're going to get into more like what is the economy and how does it matter? Like how does that look in like our Christian life? But yeah, like in all the scriptures, you'll find this theme... Sometimes it's in typology, it's in, it's in hidden like shadows that you see it, right. and other times it's explicitly laid out by Paul. So, um, yeah, but all teaching should result in God's economy. It should point to this. It should result in Christ being dispensed, given, distributed um, to his chosen and redeemed yeah. people. So, so yeah, yeah. So, so the first place we see it uh-huh. is, in, is in Genesis 1 yeah. and 2. Yeah, right. Um, and it's God's purpose. Uh, we see it as he creates man. He reveals his purpose through man. Yeah. Um, and that purpose is... You know, should we just read the verse? Yeah. So, okay, yeah, hold on. First, before we say that, we need to distinguish two things. Um, there's a difference between, between the purpose and the plan. And this is just kind of, I guess, I don't know if that would be philosophical or uh, just like the arrangement of how things go. It's sure. like God has a, a heart's intent something that he longs for, that he desires. Mm-hmm. That's according to Ephesians 1. He has a heart's intent. And if you don't believe he has a heart's intent, well, because he's God and he's almighty and he can't have feelings, then you, you're believing in the wrong God because the Bible doesn't have that kind of God. God has a desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of that desire, he has a purpose, a goal, what he wants to accomplish that desire. Mm-hmm. So the first five podcasts we had were about God's purpose. Now, God's economy is his plan his arrangement his will on how he's going to get that purpose yeah so it might sound insignificant but that's it's really important to distinguish there's a difference between the goal and the, the way yeah how he gets there and we're talking about the way here mm-hmm. which is how he gets his purpose yeah um, but yeah let's read so you're you're saying verse 26 yeah 26 yeah okay yeah so it says and god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion yep. over various things. Yeah. Yeah. So image. Image. And dominion. And dominion. Yeah. That is. yeah. So that's, that's like basically, okay, now we, now we know that's God's purpose. Right. He His wants purpose. man to have image and dominion. Yeah. And not just any image and dominion. Man is created in God's image and then the dominion that he has is basically administering the earth yeah it's like you these these, this human i've created him so that he would express me Mm -hmm. i mean an image expresses what it's pointing to like that your image on your license reflects you for sure and then dominion you would be god's authority you would be god's representative so you would reign on behalf of god on the earth right yeah yeah so then the way, the yeah. plan. And yeah, and so, yeah, basically at that point, at this point in time in Genesis is we just have the shell 
okay. kind of what God wants. Yeah. So you have like the outer shell, but then... You're saying man is the outer man shell? Man is the outer shell. It's right. Like, but now there needs to be some content. This is how God arranged it. Yeah. And that content is seen later in Genesis 2, right? Right. With the tree of life. Yeah. Yeah, so in Genesis 2, you can say, you can say Genesis 1, he has the, the setup, what he wants. He shows his heart's desire and how he's going to, or and who's going to do it. Genesis 2, he has the, the means, the economy. Mm. Like, okay, nice. Yeah. Got it. And so in Genesis 2, the way that God's going to get man imaging him and, express, and, and representing him is he's going to put him in front of the tree of life. And, and he's going to put him by the river which we learn later is it's actually the river water of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so his way of uh, you know, accomplishing his desires for man to eat that tree of life and to thus be filled with God. Right. Because we learned, I mean, this is, it might not seem explicit, but if you read, in, in light of the whole Bible, you realize, oh, this tree would have given him eternal life Christ gives us eternal life. Mm-hmm. Actually, he gives us himself as eternal life. Yeah. It says, Christ, our life, yeah. in the Colossians. So, and Christ says he's a vine tree, you know, in John yeah. 15. Right. He's, and then Luke, he says, I'm a tree full of sap. It's like, he's saying, I'm the tree of life. I am life. I'm the way, the reality, the life. So that tree is pointing to Christ as our life. And if we were to take him in, then we would... Express God. Yeah. And then same with the water. I mean, he's the river of water of life. Totally. So yeah, I think Genesis 2 is like our, it's like the seed of God's economy. Yeah. That's going to blossom throughout yeah. the rest of the Bible. Right. And so, I mean, the, the, the crux of the whole thing, I mean, we see it clearly in the New Testament is right. where it becomes clear. Mm. The Old Testament is a bunch of shadows that still point to it. Right. But the New Testament is where it becomes clear. Right. Um, and there's there's kind of two sections of verses where Paul explicitly is talking about. He uses the, the Greek word oikonomia, which is Ephesians 3 and Colossians 1. And that would take a long time to get into. Hmm. Um, so if you want to study it further, look at those two chapters in the Bible. It's yeah. Ephesians 3 and, and Colossians 1. But... As far as this is laid out in the New Testament, we can kind of break it down to maybe three things, hmm. which okay. would be, starting would be, there's a seed planted in man. Yeah. I was going to go to that same verse. Yeah. Okay, go for it. Okay. Yeah, so this is, this is a good start. So this is actually why we had to talk about God's economy with the three parts of man, is that God's economy, and here's like the basic definition we all need to know, God's economy is his arrangement to dispense himself into his chosen and redeemed people for the fulfillment of his purpose. So he does this through his trinity. God plans purposes, selects, chooses, and then in the son he redeems, dies for us, and, you know, bridges the gap and goes through all the experiences needed so that now he can be poured out as the spirit and be given to us in this dispensing, in this economy. And so the first step of that is our regeneration, which is our new birth, our, um, our initial salvation. Um, and I was taught a lot um, when, I was first, um, when I first became a Christian about the, the objective judicial aspect of, of salvation, which is Christ died for your sins, so God's no longer going to send you to hell. Yeah. 
which we fully believe. Um, and that is true, that the pe- price has been paid and we can't belittle that. That I mean, our appreciation is too low always for that. And we need to consider it more. But there's another aspect to our salvation, that initial step that um, is maybe less talked about, which is God actually regenerated us, gave us a new heart, a new spirit. He came into us and as this seed that you're talking about. Yeah. Maybe I'm getting too much into the no, weeds. Yeah. But the verse is um, 1 Peter one twenty three. It says, Having been regenerated, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the living and abiding word of God. Yep. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. So we're regenerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so, so that's number one. That's step one. Right. God's economy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, unless you're saying, probably step one would be like him choosing and then yeah, being okay. incarnated. And, yeah. Yeah. It's all part of it. But his economy yeah. as it relates to us. To man, yeah. Yeah. So there's the seed that comes into us and it's incorruptible seed. Right. And just like any seed, it, it, the seed has to grow. Right. That's even the whole point of it being a seed. Right. It doesn't want to stay a seed. Yeah. I mean... Anyways, a seed would never say that, you know, because a seed... This seed would. It's, this a, seed it's the word of God. It's yeah, actually, Jesus says this, unless the grain of wheat right. falls into the ground, dies, it abides alone. Right. Anyways, the seed wants to grow. Right. Um, okay, and then this growth, that, that's point two. Hmm. So point one is seed is planted. Right. In our hearts, you know, deep within. Yeah. Yeah. Two is the seed grows. Right. And this is seen in Ephesians 3, mm-hmm. which I will read now. It says, it's, it's 3, 16 through 17, and really it goes down further, but that's the two verses I'm going to read. It says, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit into the inner man, that Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, mm-hmm. and then it continues. But the, the main point there is, we need to be strengthened with power in our inner man. And what that is, is the inner man is your, your human spirit. It's what we talked about uh, last podcast, mm-hmm. is that man has a spirit and that's where God is. That's where the seed is planted right. in man's spirit. And the strengthening of that, I mean, there's another verse in, uh, in, in Timothy where Paul's telling Timothy to fan your spirit into flame. Right. And so there's this process of us strengthening our spirit and nourishing our spirit, which is when we come to the Word, it's when we pray, it's when we gather with other believers. Yeah. Um, and what that does is it strengthens us to then, Christ can then spread and grow into our hearts. That's the, that's the verse that says, make his home in your hearts, and then it says being rooted and grounded in love. Right. So Paul's hin- he hits the point where, hey, your, your body is a temple. He even says that. Mm-hmm. Your body, he doesn't say this here in Ephesians, but he says it in other parts of the Bible. Your body's the temple, and so it's the house of God, and what God's doing is He's growing in you so that He can go back to, I mean, so that what we talked about in Genesis 1... Then we can express Him. Exactly. Right. So there's the growth. I think there's another good verse about this. He wants to spread into our hearts, into all of our thoughts, all our emotions, all of our will, all that we are as a people. Mm -hmm. He's been planted in us, but he wants to spread and begin being Lord in all of our our being. There's a cool verse in Galatians 4.19 where Paul is talking to them. He says, My children with whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. And so... 
it's you have the same thought here until Christ is formed in you. Christ is already in them, but in the same way, like as if you put Plato into a mold, you're, he wants them him to be Christ to be formed into their very being, so that right. he could be spread throughout the entirety of their soul. Yeah. So that in their soul they would just express Christ. Mm-hmm. So Christ is in them, but he needs to be formed in them. Right. Right. They don't need to be molded outwardly, like change your behavior so that you can express Christ. Christ himself needs to be formed in them. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be two. Yeah. So we have seed planted, mm. seed growing. And I think we should stay on two for a little while because number three is easy. Yeah. Okay. Number three is not even up to us. So it's like, well, maybe it sort of is. That'd be another topic for another time. Yeah. Okay. What else would, what else would two? Well, I think um, there's so many verses. I mean, this is like what the whole New Testament is about, really. Yeah. Um, you think about it. I mean, we can just maybe rattle some off. Sure. But like, you think about Galatians 2.20. No longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in yeah. me. Um, you got Philippians, what is it, 121? Yeah. Right? For me to live is Christ himself. Um, and I think it's really important even to contrast this with maybe what a lot of people believe growth is a lot of people talk about growth um they think of growth as as um you know me just growing in knowledge like i'm learning a lot of good theology or or um or you know growing uh you know in my gifts of the spirit um it's just like what you know what am what is growth is it is it is it my my knowledge increasing is it my gifts increasing or is it this other thing that we're kind of talking about i mean yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a verse that it says it pretty explicitly. It's mm-hmm. Colossians two nineteen says, and not holding the head out from whom all the body, being richly supplied and knit together by means of the joints and sinews, grows with the growth of God. Right. Yeah. So like even in the Greek, it, this I mean I, it just kind of helped me to understand to look at the Greek, but it it grows with the growth of theos. It's like that's what that's the Greek word for God. It's like God is the element of the growth. Right. So it's right. not, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's not like a growing of knowledge. Right. It's not a growing of even, I don't know, g- gifts. I mean, it's it's not it's not like we need to know growing all this in stuff. our our morality, growing as good people. Right. It's like in our character, exactly. Yeah. But it's it's actually to grow with the element. Of right. God. Yeah. It's huge because it, I mean, there's so many religions that talk about growing in your character, all these things. Yeah. But the only thing that satisfies God is the Son. Mm-hmm. He says, y- y- "Like this is my beloved, in whom I found my all my delight." Right. Mm-hmm. So, in- unless Christ is formed in us, God will not be happy with us. No matter how how good we become, right. we can only get, be as good as you know Saul, or or you know as good as like the Jews could have been in the law yeah. and outward conformity. But cr- God is into this inward um, conforming and transforming until we are in his very image, within. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the growth of God. I mean, it, it is the divine life growing, which would result in our knowledge increasing, our gifts you know, being expressed, yeah. and our character changing. But mm-hmm. if we just focus on those three or others, I'm sure, without the inward reality, it's vain. Yeah. It's dead. Yeah, I mean, we see this pretty clearly with the Colossians. I mean, no, sorry, the Corinthians. Right, right, right. right. Yes, dude, we should read yeah. those verses. Yeah, let's read it. It's First Corinthians. Um, I think it's it? one, one four, one seven. I thought. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's earlier too. Oh, it's five through seven. Okay. You you got it there? Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll yeah. Go ahead. 
says that in everything you were enriched in him in all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was conformed in you so that you do not lack any gift eagerly awaiting the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ yeah so so there's yeah so they didn't lack any gift and they had all knowledge they had all knowledge all utterance i mean that's like the christian dream in a lot of you know denominations it's For like sure. we need all knowledge and we need the gifts. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on which side, maybe you're you're yeah. more Bible fake focused, and it's like all knowledge, and maybe you're charismatic, it's like all gifts. Corinthians had both, and then Paul's estimation of them in, in chapter three is, I but I'm you know not able to speak to you as spiritual men, but as to fleshy, as to infants in Christ. He says they're infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. You're not yet able to receive it. You are still fleshly. Right. There's jealousy and strife among you. I mean, the the knowledge and the gifts did nothing for them mm-hmm. in, in regards to their growth. And, and right, he, then he starts talking about growth. That's yeah, what's so cool exactly, here. Exactly, exactly. Because he says, then I, right, I planted, yep. Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. So his view is, I mean, in verse 9, we are God's cultivated land. Mm-hmm. So we are like plants. I mean, just like the seeds and plants, we're like plants. And he wants to make us grow. God does. Exactly. Um, by spreading in our being, by watering us and feeding us until we actually grow spiritually with the divine life and the divine nature. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and this even answers the, answers the question. In, in Romans 8, 28, it says, we, and we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then 29 yeah. says... That they'd be conformed to the same image of his son. Right. Right. And so it's like everything that goes on even outwardly in our environment is all working for our growth. It's for our being conformed into this image that God wants us to be in. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is huge. I mean, yeah, it might be too low of a a topic. We can get into it maybe another time. Like why do bad things happen to good people? Right. Um, this is the answer to the question of Job is God's economy. Exactly. Um, it, you know, you, it's not about having a good life. That's not the goal. The goal is for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so the sufferings, as Paul says in second Corinthians four, they work out an eternal weight of glory. Exactly. They operate, they do something. They're the environment in which that seed can grow. They, they are actually what allows the growth to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, all things work together for good. But those that good is not maybe what you think. It's what Paul says in the next verse, which is that you'd be conformed to the image of his son. Right. Um, and then, I mean, I mean, the end of it all is the third step, which is that... It's like what it produces. Yeah, that plant blossoms. Yeah. It has its uh, petals and <laughs> it shines. Exactly. Yeah. The end result is that what happened within us then even spreads out into our physical body. And we become glorified yeah. sons of God. Yeah, the, the, the big verse on that, I mean, Romans 8 talks about that pretty heavily. Uh-huh. Um, First John yeah. 3, 2, it says, when we see him, we will be right. like him, yeah. even as he is. Yeah. There's actually a really cool one in Philippians. Mm-hmm. That one's my favorite. It says, um, what, there's, oh, there's so many cool ones about this, too. This would be a whole other topic, the glorification of the sons of God. But First Timothy, or Philippians has a really cool one. Um, as I flip to it, as I'm there, come on now. 
Where is it? Is it Philippians 3? It's Philippians 3 at the end, right? Yeah. He will transfigure the body of our humiliation to be conformed to the body of his glory according to his operation by which he is able to subject all things to himself. So anyways, oh man, this is, this is actually really good. Have you ever thought about this verse with like Ephesians 1, 9 and 10? Oh, that's good, yeah. Subject all things to himself. It talks about the economy there. That's it's right. It's like within us. Right. Anyways, this would, we'll have to talk about this another yeah. time. But yeah, no, that's good. I mean, yeah, so that's, that's God's economy. God's economy is how he's carrying out his purpose. Right. Which is growing in mankind. Right. Uh, and his growing is himself spreading into us. Right. So that we express and represent him. Yeah. So the takeaway, I guess, is we don't need to be focusing on learning a lot and doing gifts. We need to focus on is eating the tree of life. Yeah. Eating Christ in sure. the word, in prayer. Right. Even in fellowship. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to be brought back to the central line or the central thought of the Bible, which should be the producing of God's economy, this arrangement, this dispensing. Um, this, the dispensing of God is the primary thought of the Bible because it results in his purpose being fulfilled. Yeah. So, yeah, that's God's economy in a nutshell. Anyways, you know, we got a request for next podcast. Okay. Who requested? You want to say his name, her name? Who is it? Who is it? Reveal him. Alex Volk. Oh, name drop. What do you ask? What do you, what well, do you want to know? No, I don't even know. You lost it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you just got an email from him. <laughs> What did he ask oh. us? Well, he he said he was asking if we could maybe talk about why bad things happen. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, that's a perfect segue then. Okay, thank you, Alex. If you're listening, if you're not, we'll know because we expect you to text us and say, "I heard it." And if you don't text us, then we'll know you're not listening <laughs> to us. That is a good transition. <laughs> if you do have a topic that. You oh, yeah. want us to talk about. We won't name drop you, only for Alex. Unless you want to be name dropped. We love Alex. We Alex love is Alex. actually in a Bible school right now. Yeah. Honestly, if anyone should be talking about that, it should be Alex. Maybe we'll call him in. Let him be share cool. what he's learning. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you have a topic, we won't embarrass you like we maybe have done to Alex just now. Mm-hmm. We'll just do it anonymously. But yeah, feel free to submit. If you also want to donate, uh, Will, why don't you tell them where they can do that? Yep. So there's this awesome new 